Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, October 21st. I'm Teresa Watson. And I'm Leslie Palma. In our top story tonight, we will disclose Biden's prescription for America and it isn't going to cure our economy. I will share with you New Mexico Governor's cringeworthy dance, which she performed at a pro-abortion rally and other political news that happened this week. You will want to hear about the troubling new use engaged couples have found for their wedding registries, along with all the current pro-life news. We will meet with Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of Pro-Life Action League, and he will talk about a unique pro-life initiative. Please stay till the end as you won't want to miss meeting Trisha Lynn Liu and find out how she turned a traumatic life into one of victory for her and her unborn child. Joe Biden delivered a speech to the Democratic faithful this week. He didn't promise to work toward bringing down the cost of gas or address the high price of groceries like milk and meat. He never mentioned the ongoing shortage of infant formula, nor did he vow to crack down on violent crime in our cities. But he did make a promise. He pledged that if America would just elect a Democrat majority House and Senate on November 8th, the first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade, he said. When Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. Biden's urge to restore abortion throughout the land might turn out to be a promise he can't keep. A recent New York Times-Siena poll found that 44% of Americans see the economy and inflation as their primary concern, with only 5% picking abortion as their top issue. And a Harvard-Harris poll showed that 37% of Americans said the overturning of Roe v. Wade makes them more likely to vote Republican, up from 32% in September. In his speech, Biden read from the June 24th decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, where the majority wrote, women are not without electoral or political power. Then dropping to a conspiratorial whisper he employed several times, he said, let me tell you something, the court and extreme Republicans who have spent decades trying to overturn Roe are about to find out, or maybe not. The Times poll found independent women went from favoring Democrats by a 14% margin in September to preferring Republicans by 18 points in October. Isn't it odd that with all the things wrong with our country, crime, inflation, and shortages, that our president's number one priority is restoring abortion throughout the nation, Priest for Life Executive Director Janet Marana said in a tweet. Marjorie Dannensfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America said, doubling down on an extreme agenda of abortion on demand until birth won't stop Democrats from losing Congress. When Biden speaks of codifying Roe, what he really means is that he wants to pass the Women's Health Protection Act, which the House has passed twice but has failed to gain traction in the Senate. Pro-lifers referred to the bill as the All Abortion All the Time Act, but let's hear how the Wall Street Journal described it in an editorial this week. Mr. Biden didn't stipulate what the, law, what the law he'd support would look like, but it's a fair surmise that it would be close to what House Democrats passed and Sen Senate Democrats tried to pass this year. That bill is more permissive than the Roe v. Wade regime the Supreme Court struck down in late June. The Democratic bill allows abortion on demand through what it calls fetal viability, or about 23 weeks. After that, an abortion would still be legal if there is a risk to the mother's health, which isn't defined. In practice, this would be interpreted to include mental health or emotional issues and would contradict state laws that define it as physical health. The Senate version was too much even for pro-choice Republicans Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who opposed it. 
The editorial also said Biden is imposing the abortion values of New York and California on Louisiana and Pennsylvania. During his speech, Biden asked people to remember where they were and how they felt on that June day when they heard Roe was overturned. Here's a look at what Priest for Life was and how we felt that day. We got Dobbs. We got Dobbs. We got Dobbs. Are you sure? We got Dobbs. Yes, right here. Dobbs v. Jackson. We got Dobbs. Dobbs. We got Dobbs. They just got handed down. Dobbs. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, let's read. Held. Held. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Yes! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Roe and Casey are overruled. <gasps> Roe is overturned! <laughs> the authority to regulate oh abortion. My oh, my God. Yes! Oh, praise you, Jesus. The authority oh. to regulate <laughs> abortion is returned to the people. Oh, my God. <laughs> The people and their elected representatives. Republican Herschel Walker's supporters had reason to celebrate on Friday after his only debate with U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock. If this showdown was a make-or-break moment for Walker, as some analysts predicted it would be, he didn't back down. Walker entered the debate facing enormous pressure to quell concerns that he was unfit for office, fueled by damaging reports about Walker's history. This race isn't about me, Walker said. It's about what Raphael Warnock and Joe Biden have done to you and your family. While Friday's debate performance didn't erase Walker's vulnerabilities, it may quiet some GOP fears that the party's most reliable voters were on the verge of abandoning him. Joe Biden's three-state swing out West captured the White House's midterm strategy for a president who remains broadly unpopular. This is to promote his administration's accomplishments and appear where he can rally the party faithful, all while continuing to rake in campaign cash. Biden traveled to Oregon, California, and Colorado, and notably stayed away from Nevada and Arizona states where his presence could hurt incumbent Democrat senators in tough races. President Biden knows where he's wanted and where he's not wanted, a top Democratic official who works closely with the White House told CNN. This isn't his first midterm campaign. Throughout the trip, Biden had to compete for the spotlight and contend with a troubling new inflation report and rising gas prices. Democrats are trying to retain power in the face of widespread economic uncertainty and the traditional midterm headwinds against the party in power. Republicans, aiming to regain the House and Senate, think they can capitalize on gas prices, inflation, and the economy. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham performed a cringeworthy dance on Saturday at a pro-abortion rally celebrating her record of supporting abortion on demand. Elisa Martinez, founder of the New Mexico Alliance for Life, shared a video clip on Twitter that shows the Democrat governor and other abortion activists dancing at the outdoor event in Las Cruces. Martinez wrote, what did I just watch? Oh, New Mexico's governor, hopping around about killing innocent babies up to birth. According to the Las Cruces Sun News, Grisham, who is up for re-election, 
was joined by two leading abortion activists, Planned Parenthood CEO Alexis McGill-Johnson and NARAL Pro-Choice America President Minnie Timurahu. Both appear to be dancing on stage with the governor, along with Gabe Vasquez, a pro-abortion Democrat candidate for the U.S. House. Here is the clip. The point of the rally and the dance was clear. They were there to support killing unborn babies in abortions and elect candidates who will vote to keep the life-destroying practice legal. In New Mexico, abortions are legal through all nine months of pregnancy, and the state is home to one of the few openly practicing late-term abortion facilities in the United States. In August, in response to the overturning of Roe, Grisham, who claims to be Catholic, announced plans to spend $10 million taxpayer dollars to build a new abortion facility near the Texas border. Her latest promotion of Abortion Saturday drew comments of outrage and disgust online. Her pro-abortion dance was described as sick, deranged, and bizarre. Another woman responded, do they know what an abortion is? Like, really, why would anyone, either for or against it, be dancing and laughing joyfully when discussing this topic? Seriously, has anyone any discretion anymore? Sandoval County Commissioner Jay Block wrote on Twitter, the governor celebrating and dancing at an abortion rally. Anyone ever see a governor celebrate killing babies up to birth? Grisham is running for re-election against Republican Mark Ronchetti in November. Joe Biden will take on a potential 2024 presidential rival, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, in a November campaign event for the Democratic candidate for Governor Charlie Crist. The White House said on Sunday that Biden will travel to Fort Lauderdale on November 1st to attend a reception for Crist, a former governor and member of Congress who is trailing in polls behind the popular Republican incumbent. DeSantis is popular in the Republican Party and has clashed with Biden on multiple policy issues, including COVID-19 vaccines, immigration, and abortion rights. The president's embrace of Christ and his attempt to boost him in the late stages of the campaign could be a sign that Democrats have not given up on hopes of toppling DeSantis in his home state. It could also reflect an effort to let Biden make a more muscular argument against a man who is a likely presidential hopeful. In Phoenix, Arizona, a voter registration error caused up to 6,000 Arizona voters to get a mail ballot with only federal races. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who is the Democratic nominee for governor, stated on Tuesday that affected voters will receive the correct ballot shortly. Hobbs has staked her gubernatorial campaign largely on her staunch defense of the 2020 election in the face of criticism from former President Donald Trump and his allies. Her Republican rival, Carrie Lake, has called on Hobbs to step aside from overseeing the midterms while she's on the ballot. When people register to vote in Arizona or update their registration, an election system queries driver's license records to verify whether the person has proven their citizenship. Those who don't have citizenship documentation on file are not eligible to vote in state elections and are registered as federal-only voters. Sophia Solis, a spokeswoman for Hobbs, 
said the driver's license query failed to properly verify the citizenship for some people, leading them to improperly registered as federal-only voters. She did not provide a breakdown of their party affiliation or describe the characteristics that led to the problems. Federal-only voters have been a subject of political wrangling since the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2013 that Arizona cannot require documentary proof of citizenship for people to vote in national elections. The state responded by creating two classes of voters, those who can vote in all races and those who can vote only in federal elections. Hobbs said in her statement that the data praise problem has been corrected. Well, we certainly hope so. Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, was slammed on social media after releasing a shocking campaign commercial that portrays a woman being arrested in front of her family for having an abortion. Here is the despicable ad. Anderson? Yes? I have a warrant for your arrest. Arrest for what? Penal Code 243 violation. Unlawful termination of a pregnancy. You gotta be kidding me. That, that is my personal business. That's for the courts to decide, ma'am. Your medical records have been subpoenaed and Dr. Landry's already in custody. No, my, my God, you, you, you can't just- You will have to submit to a physical examination. What? By who? No, no, no one's touching me. Oh, sir, get that. Oh, oh, Man, turn around. Oh, Put oh, your hands God. behind your back. Now. Why is this happening? Love you, honey bear. We're just enforcing the law here. Elections have consequences. Vote Democrat on November 8th. Stop Republicans from criminalizing abortion everywhere protect women's rights and freedom. Please, don't do this. Please. This messaging that Republicans want to lock up women who have abortions was not well received by conservatives on Twitter. Conservative radio talk show host Larry O'Connor said, the only takeaway I get from this is Eric Swalwell has an incredibly insulting, despicable, hateful view of law enforcement. O'Connor added that Eric Swalwell is a garbage human being. Ben Q, an editor at El American, a bilingual conservative media platform, stated, I don't think there is a single Republican candidate running for a national office that has suggested arresting women or having abortions. Oh well, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. As mentioned previously, Democrats have tried to make the Supreme Court's June decision overturning Roe v. Wade a central issue in the November 8th elections. But most of the public doesn't seem to be playing along. And that's political news in a nutshell. The South Carolina Senate has again rejected a House proposal to ban nearly all abortions in the state, but a conference committee was formed to try to work out a compromise between the two chambers. In the meantime, the state Supreme Court on Wednesday heard from attorneys from the state and Planned Parenthood in a suit brought by the abortion seller against the heartbeat law that protects babies from abortion at about six weeks. 
A federal judge blocked the law a day after it was enacted in 2021, but it was reactivated after Roe v. Wade was overturned in June. That led abortion profiteers in the state to look to the South Carolina Constitution for relief. The Supreme Court once again blocked the heartbeat law until the case is decided. Opponents of a pro-life ballot amendment to be voted on in Kentucky have raised $3 million from deep-pocket abortion supporters, while the group supporting the amendment, Yes for Life, has raised just $595,000. Constitutional Amendment 2 would add one sentence to the Kentucky Constitution. To protect human life, nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. A similar amendment in Kansas was voted down in a landslide in August, with opponents outspending pro-life supporters by a large margin. Abortion is currently banned in Kentucky, except for medical emergencies, under a trigger law that went into effect after Roe was overturned. A state judge in North Dakota has been given until October 31st to decide whether his temporary block of an abortion ban was the correct course of action. A trigger law that went into effect after Roe was overturned was blocked by Judge Bruce Romanek, who has now been ordered by the state Supreme Court to reconsider his own ruling. He was originally ordered to come to a decision this past Monday, but was given extra time because he has COVID. The state's lone abortion business, Red River Women's Clinic, is arguing in a lawsuit that the North Dakota Constitution allows abortion. The suit is continuing, even though the business has set up shop across the river in Minnesota, where abortion remains legal. Across the Atlantic, a town council in southern England has made it illegal to make the sign of the cross or pray outside an abortion business. Inside a designated safe zone surrounding the abortion mill, anyone caught praying, reciting scripture, or sprinkling holy water is now subject to a fine. At the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, an independent student newspaper reported that a professor was willing to help students of the Catholic school to access abortion while it was briefly illegal in the state. Professor Professor Tamara Kay in Notre Dame's Keough School of Public Affairs offered to assist students in obtaining abortion pills, according to the Irish Rover. Through social media posts and a sign on her door, Kay has advertised that she will provide a safe space to help students find information on all health care issues and access, confidentially with care and compassion. Kay told the newspaper she was acting in her capacity as a private citizen and that the school had given her permission. Notre Dame has not issued a statement on the matter. The New York Times has identified a troubling new trend, engaged couples using their wedding registries to raise money for abortion funds. The wedding planning site Zola has reported that 853 couples use their registries to solicit donations for abortion, compared to 201 last year. 2022 donations so far total more than $100,000. The website The Knot said it has 137 registries soliciting abortion donations. So far, $44,000 has been raised there. Planned Parenthood, which receives more than $600 million annually from the federal government, is the biggest beneficiary. A total of seven registries on both sites have asked for funds for pro-life organizations. A Michigan man has been ordered to stand trial in the shooting of an 84-year-old pro-lifer who was canvassing door-to-door against a proposed constitutional amendment that would guarantee the right to abortion in the state. Richard Harvey, 74, is charged with assault and careless discharge of a weapon. Joan Jacobson was shot September 20th at Harvey's home in Odessa Township. Harvey told a Michigan TV station he accidentally shot Jacobson with a 22 caliber rifle. Jacobson was treated for a gunshot wound to the shoulder. Working from home and the luxury of time may be behind a jump in the nation's fertility rate. Following a 14-year decline in the birth rate, the United States experienced a mini-baby boom in 2021, confounding economists who predicted the COVID pandemic would de- decrease birth rates. 
One theory on the baby bump is that working from home allows parents more time to devote to taking care of an infant. And finally, a former Planned Parenthood staffer is claiming in a lawsuit that she was the victim of racism while working at the abortion giant's flagship office in New York. Nicole Moore was the director of multicultural brand engagement for Planned Parenthood when, she alleges, she was given more work than white colleagues, was denied opportunities for advancement, and was ultimately fired for raising these concerns. Planned Parenthood denies the allegations, but they are strikingly similar to complaints made about the organization in a 2020 internal audit. Ms. Moore's lawsuit, in fact, is the second one filed against Planned Parenthood. The first was filed by her supervisor, who said she was fired after complaining about anti-Semitism. And that's Abortion in the News. October 24th to the 28th is National Bridges for Life Week, a project of the Illinois-based Pro-Life Action League. We've invited Eric Scheidler, Executive Director, to talk about this unique pro-life initiative. Hi, Eric. Welcome. Great to be with you. So, Eric, what is National Bridges for Life Week and how did it get started? Well, this is an outgrowth of what we've been calling National Pro-Life Bridges Day, where we have recruited teams, very small teams of four or five or six pro-life activists who go out onto busy highway overpasses with banners that read, Abortion Takes a Human Life. This is a message that we find really resonates with people because it's, it's factually true. Human life is taken by abortion. Abortion Takes a Human Life is a, a message that really people can get and they can agree with. So we go on into busy highway overpasses on National Pro-Life Bridges Day and we reach millions of commuters with very small teams all over the United States. Well, these teams have been growing. We've been adding more and more of these pro-life bridge teams over the couple of years now that we've been doing this annual event. And these guys have been going out onto the bridges throughout the year. They go out, you know, some of them go out monthly. Some of them even go out every week. We've got Knights of Columbus councils who've gotten really involved in this. And we saw an opportunity to bring this message to the uh, the election that's coming up where abortion is such a critical issue. I mean, Joe Biden has just announced that his number one legislative priority for the next Congress is not inflation reduction or avoiding nuclear Armageddon or fixing our crumbling infrastructure. It's promoting abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. So that's what's at stake in this election. So we have our teams going out during an entire week during open, you know, the, the polls are now open for mail-in voting and for, uh, you know, for other non-election day voting, uh, you know, early voting. And we're also in advance of election day itself. So we're, we're timing this to reach voters at a time when they're thinking about their votes and thinking about the issues to remind them that when they hear about abortion, what they're hearing about is the taking of human life. That's what it's really all about. So we've recruited these teams to go on to these highway overpasses all throughout that week to share that message during this critical election. So, Eric, is that the significance of, of the dates that you chose? Is it because of the midterm elections or is there some other significance? That's right. I mean, it's Respect Life Month, so it's a good time to be doing pro-life activity in the public square. We've just had life chain. In fact, just today I saw an email message about a baby being saved because someone drove past a life chain display. So yes, we're also generally trying to reach the public. And we know that if we're out there on banner with, with our banners on highway bridges, there are gonna be women driving past us who just found out they're pregnant and are just trying to figure out what to do about it. So yeah, we're, we're also reaching the general public and we're reaching women who are facing a crisis. Uh, but our primary focus in terms of the dates is the election that's coming up. So while people are early voting, while they're looking at the issues before election day, we want to reach them with this critical message. In previous 
times that you've done this, have you had any trouble with police showing up and trying to get you to leave? Every once in a while, some zealous state trooper will come along and say, you can't be up on this bridge. But we arm all of our teams with a legal memo from the Thomas More Society based here in Chicago. This is a law firm that defends our civil rights as pro-life activists. It was founded to uh, defend my dad and to uh, appeal his loss in the Now v. Scheidler case that found him guilty of racketeering for trying to stop abortion. He ultimately was vindicated in the Supreme Court uh, in a unanimous ruling. And the Thomas More Society uh, has gone on since then to become the number one champion for the civil rights of pro-life activists. We have a legal memo signed by Tom Bracca, the lead attorney at Thomas More Society, that establishes that this is a constitutionally protected form of free speech, that a highway overpass, provided that there's safety for the people who are out there, which there is, we pick these bridges very carefully, uh, is a place where we, it's a public forum where we're allowed to share our messages. Usually the police are perfectly understanding. Every so often we've had somebody who was actually kicked off of their bridge. We advise people, if you're told we're gonna arrest you or get off the bridge, simply comply, let us know, and the attorneys can get involved and maybe we'll have a lawsuit on our hands. We'll sue them and, and win a judgment on behalf of the pro-life movement. But generally speaking, we don't have problems with the police when we're doing this constitutionally protected speech. Well, Eric, as you're aware, things have been particularly crazy this year, and uh, pro boards have been uh, <laughs> have been have been out there in full force. So, do you have any concerns about them showing up this year? You know, we've seen a lot of high-profile vandalism against churches and pregnancy centers, but I think it's important to note that these activities have all taken place under cover of darkness. We have not seen confrontations in the street. We have not seen. I mean, I've been out on the street holding abortion victim signs, doing public protest. Uh, after this interview, I'm heading out to protest a, uh, a Republican running for a county chairman who just flip-flopped on abortion, became pro-choice, even though he ran as a pro-lifer in the primary. Um, so we're, we've been out in the public square and we have not seen that type of conflict taking place when we're actually out there during daylight hours and doing this type of constitutionally protected speech. So things can happen. There's always going to be crazy people, but uh, for the most part, I'm not really concerned about that. We're peaceful activists, and we're generally uh, we generally encounter uh, acceptance or at least toleration from the general public. So, how many bridges are will will have the pro life message this year, and and where will they be? Well, we're still getting bridge leaders to to sign up every day. I get a new message, and we've actually recruited a whole bunch of new teams. So, I think we're over 50 different teams that are going to be heading out. Maybe even as high as, as 80 or even 100 when all is said and done, because we're still recruiting every day. So, we're going to be reaching upwards of 10 million commuters around the country uh, during that week. It could even be 20 or 30 million, depending on how many days during that week each team goes out. You know, some teams are able to do it for two hours and that's all they can manage. Others are going to be out there four or six hours a day for the whole week. So it's going to vary from place to place. But we're, we're thankful for every minute that we have that message out on those overpasses, reaching voters with the truth about abortion. Well, Eric, we hope you have a really safe and successful week and you reach a lot of people with this uh, with the pro-life message. And we really thank you for joining us. And to learn more about Pro-Life Action League, go to prolifeaction.org. You know, we're always building these kits. We're always shipping them across the country. Um, so if this is something that sounds exciting to you, you only need three or four other friends to go out on a highway overpass. We have complete instructions. Your kit includes two sturdy frames, two banners, one for each direction. It's 125 bucks, which is about half or less of the actual cost. 
The rest of it is covered by the donors to the Pro-Life Action League. So you're out there, you know, with the backing of, of benefactors who are praying for you and who are helping to contribute to the cost of the project. You can find out all about it at prolifeaction.org. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash prolifeaction. We are ready to put you to work on the front lines, saving babies from abortion. That's awesome. Great. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. And thanks Glad for your work. You. God bless. In recent weeks, we at Pro-Life Primetime News have reported on the many attacks on pregnancy centers, both physical and verbal. False accusations have been made that these centers lure unsuspecting women in who think they are going to abortion businesses. Tonight, we would like to bring you a positive story about pregnancy centers amidst the sea of negative news reported by the pro-abortion media. We have invited Trisha Lynn Liu, who 15 years ago visited a pregnancy center called Thrive. Hi, Trisha. Hello, ladies. Thank you for having me today. Trisha, please tell us about the situation that first brought you to Thrive. Sure. Um, 15 years ago, um, I was in a very dark season of my life, uh, lost in drug and alcohol addiction, um, and ultimately ended up, there's a woman in the Bible named Rahab, and the line of work that she was in, um, we all know, likely all know her story, um, Rahab the prostitute. And that's where I found myself. Um, after living a promiscuous life um, at 16, entering into a relationship with a man I surely thought I would marry, um, leaving that and then experiencing rape, um, more promiscuity, uh, more addiction, uh, harder drugs, more alcohol, more partying, um, and the vicious cycle I entered into, which then produced more abuse and ultimately led me into um, sex work. And um, in one of those encounters, I became pregnant. Um, it was a, a challenging situation in that um, I knew that the man was going to take what he wanted from me. Um, so it was a rape um, and a prostitution situation where he threw the money down. Um, and then I submitted. So it was in that encounter that I became pregnant. Um, and of course, lots of challenges facing me. I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. I have isolated myself from my family um, to keep that life hidden from them. Um, lots of voices around me uh, encouraged abortion, uh, that I wouldn't have to escape that life. And of course, it would have been a politically correct, so to speak, uh, choice had I gone in that direction. But amidst all of the chaos, amidst all of the confusion, and in that vicious cycle, there was a still small voice that whispered, keep this baby and you'll be blessed. I'll change your life. And so I knew that I needed to um, take that step and make a brave decision um, and keep that baby. And so I attempted to quit that lifestyle on my own and I relapsed. Um, after I relapsed, uh, um, I did not want those toxic decisions to affect my baby. So um, I knew I needed help and I Googled pregnancy help centers and that's when God led me to thrive. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's an uh, amazing and emotional story, Tricia. Um, so thank you for being so honest with us. But yeah. when you did walk through the doors of Thrive, how, how did you feel that day? <laughs> uh, I, I would never forget that moment of walking through those doors when hope greeted me. Uh, the ambiance, I like to say screamed, yet gently whispered, Tricia, you can do this. 
Um, I walked in there and it was like all of the that weight, that heaviness, the darkness just kind of fell off. And I entered into a space of encouragement, um, of love. And as I said, that hope and, and this space that said, you can do this and we're here to help you. Um, there was no judgment. Um, it was like all of those things, all of the fear, all of the trepidation, um, all of the worries just, just melted away. Well, well, Trisha, tell us about the services you received at Thrive. Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, first, um, when, when you asked the question, I was in a dark place, um, and I had attempted to quit, uh, the addictions, uh, quitting the drugs and the alcohol and relapsed. And so uh, that was one of the first things that my case manager um, recommended was that I go for an intake evaluation at a local uh, rehab center. Um, so I did and entered into an intense outpatient program for about two years. Uh, so they met me where I was. They did not judge me. Um, and they empowered me as a woman first. Um, I was I was a mess. Um, I did not communicate well. I didn't have confidence. Uh, I didn't have a, a, an identity. Um, all of those things that defined me um, were, were not positive. And so they, they went, they met that, that inner me um, and pulled that inner me out. Um, so um, I went through uh, intense counseling there as well for the sexual abuse um, so that I could be that woman, uh, that mom that my baby needed. Um, so those were some of the things that that really um, helped me to get to that place where I could um, be an empowered woman and parent. Um, and then, of course, they helped with um, the very tangible items like diapers and wipes and a car seat, gas cards. There were times when I needed uh, money to help with um, bills. So they did that. Um, diaper bags and clothes. Um, and also in the beginning when I needed help with like in getting insurance um, and um, getting into the, the, the correct uh, prenatal care and classes and things like that, they helped with that. Um, they have a wonderful program um, called parent university that I entered into or going to the classes, you earn the baby bucks and get to go to uh, their shop um, and choose things uh, for the baby, which was wonderful. Um, so going through that program, actually it's called the um, A2A program, which you maybe have talked about um, on your program because it's very uh, popular in the pregnancy uh, uh, resource center movement. Um, so that A2A program, the alternative to abortion program, really supported me um, in taking me um, into that place where I needed to be to be able to be that mom. Well, Tricia, you know, we don't we didn't know you back then, but we're truly amazed at the self-assured, confident, beautiful woman uh, that you've become. So please fast forward a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit, you know, about your family now. Sure. Um, so I was married in 2011 and um, I have uh, four additional children. Um, so uh, Nehemiah, who is the baby um, that I like to say was the key uh, that was that I chose to receive and keep to unlock uh, my highest destiny. He is that 
baby whose life was in limbo in my womb 15 years ago. He is now 14. He loves life to the fullest. Um, he's an athlete. He's an artist. He actually um, writes Christian rap music and he testifies of the goodness of God. And Thrive has given him incredible opportunities to be able to share that gift, uh, to record and produce um, a song that has been uh, an incredible anthem for the work of Thrive. And so we're grateful um, for that. So I have a bustling house and um, I also have, I like to say I'm a mother of 11. Um, I have six heavenly babies that I lost to miscarriage. Um, actually in the Thrive community, we like to say early carriage because um, we know that we will, I will be reunited with those babies. Um, someday. So a mother of 11 now. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, Trisha, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to share your amazing story of hope for those who find themselves in a similar situation. Thanks thank so you. much. Well, for more information on Thrive, please visit thrivestlouis.org. And to find a pregnancy center in your area, please visit pregnancycenters.org. Before we close, we would like to share with you a beautiful video recorded by one of our staff members, Anthony Vassone. You, you may remember Anthony as one of our substitute co-anchors. On October 15th at 1.22 a.m., this Falcon 9 rocket was successfully launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida. The purpose of this mission was to replace two high-powered direct-to-home communication satellites. Leslie, you and Anthony are relatively new to the Space Coast. So how do you, do you still get excited about the rockets? I do. I hope I never lose my excitement for the rockets because it's just neat <laughs> to think you're watching something that's going up into space. Although, kudos to Anthony. I didn't make it up for 122. They kept pushing that one back and back. And so finally I gave up and went to bed. <laughs> yes, I, I have to say I've been living here longer than you mm -hmm. both have. And I still get excited. Mm -hmm. But the, the nighttime ones, I have to say, I did. Just kind of kept my eyes closed on that one, although we do hear them, right? <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, we do. It shakes the whole house. Yes, it does. <laughs> well. well, thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will join us every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We hope you will support this show and all of our broadcasts, including Just Ask Janet, our daily masses with Father Frank Pavone, and Father's broadcasts by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating the pro-life community to end abortion. Do you have an idea for a story? Are you someone whose baby was saved because of the help of a sidewalk counselor? Would you like to expose something in the abortion industry? Then please email us at media at priestsforlife.org. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. And I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.